Hi, we're back again. I'm going to be doing the second half of the Isaac Asimov story, The Last Question. For a, a final um, storytelling into the void, for now, um, we're almost certainly going to be doing a few more of these in the future. I know I really enjoy doing them, and I think Danny does too. Um, I don't think there's anything I need to mention before we, before we get down to it. So, um, yeah, let's settle in. I hope you enjoy the story. Uh, get a snack, get a cup of tea. Um, finish off that cake in the cupboard. Treat yourself. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> VJ23X of Lameth stared into the black depths of the three-dimensional small-scale map of the galaxy and said, Are we ridiculous, I wonder, in being so concerned about the matter? MQ17J of Nikron shook his head. I think not. You know the galaxy will be filled in five years at the present rate of expansion. Both seemed in their early twenties. Both were tall and perfectly formed. Still, said VJ23X, I hesitate to submit a pessimistic report to the Galactic Council. I wouldn't consider any other kind of report. Stir them up a bit. We've got to stir them up. VJ23X sighed. Space is infinite. A hundred billion galaxies are there for the taking. A hundred billion is not infinite, and it's getting less infinite all the time. Consider! 20,000 years ago, mankind first solved the problem of utilising stellar energy, and a few centuries later, interstellar travel became possible. It took mankind a million years to fill one small world, and then only 15,000 years to fill the rest of the galaxy. Now the population doubles every 10 years, BJ23X interrupted. We can thank immortality for that. Very well. Immortality exists, and we have to take it into account. I admit it has its seamy side, this immortality. The Galactic AC has solved many problems for us, but in solving the problem of preventing old age and death, it has undone all its other solutions. Yet you wouldn't want to abandon life, I suppose. Not at all, snapped MQ-17J, softening it at once to, not yet. I'm by no means old enough. How old are you? 223. And you? I'm still under 200. But to get back to my point, population doubles every 10 years. Once this galaxy is filled, we'll have another filled in 10 years. Another 10 years and we'll have filled two more. Another decade, four more. In 100 years, we'll have filled a thousand galaxies. In a thousand years, a million galaxies. In 10,000 years, the entire known universe. Then what? VJ23X said, As a side issue, there's a problem of transportation. I wonder how many sun power units it will take to move galaxies of individuals from one galaxy to the next. A very good point. Already, mankind consumes two sun power units per year. Most of it's wasted. After all, our own galaxy alone pours out a thousand sun power units a year, and we only use two of those. Granted, but even with a hundred percent efficiency, we only stave off the end. Our energy requirements are going up in a geometric progression even faster than our population. We'll run out of energy even sooner than we'll run out of galaxies. A good point, a very good point. We'll just have to build new stars out of interstellar gas. Or out of dissipated heat? Asked MQ-17J, sarcastically. There may be some way to reverse entropy. We ought to ask the Galactic AC. VJ23X was not really serious, but MQ17J pulled out his AC contact from his pocket and placed it on the table before him. Of half a mind to, he said. It's something the human race will have to face someday. He stared somberly at his small AC contact. It was only two inches cubed and nothing in itself, but it was connected through hyperspace with the Galactic AC that served all mankind. Hyperspace considered it was an integral part of the Galactic AC. MQ-17J paused to wonder if someday, in his immortal life, he would get to see the Galactic AC. It was on a little world of its own, 
spider webbing of force beams holding the matter within which surges of submesons took the place of clumsy old molecular valves. Yet, despite its subetheric workings, the Galactic AC was known to be a full thousand feet across. MQ-17J asked suddenly of his AC contact, Can entropy ever be reversed? VJ-23X looked startled and said at once, Oh, say, I didn't really mean to have you ask that. Why not? We both know entropy can't be reversed. You can't turn smoke and ash back into a tree. Do you have trees on your world? asked MQ-17J. The sound of the galactic AC startled them into silence. Its voice came thin and beautiful out of the small AC contact on the desk. It said, There is insufficient data for a meaningful answer. VJ-23X said, See? The two men thereupon returned to the question of the report they were to make to the Galactic Council. Z-Prime's mind spanned the new galaxy with a faint interest in the countless twists of stars that powdered it. He had never seen this one before. Would he ever see them all? So many of them, each with its load of humanity, but a load that was almost a dead weight. More and more, the real essence of men was to be found out here, in space. Minds, not bodies. The immortal bodies remained back on the planets in suspension over the eons. Sometimes they roused for material activity, but that was growing rarer. Few new individuals were coming into existence to join the incredibly mighty throng, but what matter? There was little room in the universe for new individuals. Z-Prime was roused out of his reverie upon coming across the wispy tendrils of another mind. I am Z-Prime, said Z-Prime. And you? I am D-Sub-1. Your galaxy? We only call it the galaxy. And you? We call ours the same. All men call their galaxy their galaxy and nothing more. Why not? True, since all galaxies are the same. Not all galaxies. On one particular galaxy the race of man must have originated. That makes it different. Z-Prime said, on which one? I cannot say. The Universal AC would know. Shall we ask him? I am suddenly curious. Z-Prime's perceptions broadened until the galaxies themselves shrank and became a new, more diffuse powdering on a much larger background. So many hundreds of billions of them, all with their immortal beings, all carrying their load of intelligences with minds that drifted freely through space. And yet one of them was unique among them all in it being the original galaxy. One of them had, in its vague and distant past, a period when it was the only galaxy populated by man. Z-Prime was confused with curiosity to see this galaxy, and he called out, Universal AC! On which galaxy did mankind originate? The Universal AC heard, for on every world and throughout space it had its receptors ready, and each receptor led through hyperspace to some unknown point where the Universal AC kept itself aloof. Z-Prime knew of only one man whose thoughts had penetrated within sensing distance of Universal AC, and he reported only a shining globe, two feet across, difficult to see. But how can that be all of Universal AC? Z-Prime had asked. Most of it, had been the answer, is in hyperspace. In what form it is there, I cannot imagine. Nor could anyone, for the day had long since passed, Z-Prime knew, when any man had any part of the making of a Universal AC. Each Universal AC designed and constructed its successor. Each, during its existence of a million years or more, accumulated the necessary data to build a better and more intricate, more capable successor, in which its own store of data and individuality would be submerged. The Universal AC interrupted Z-Prime's wandering thoughts, not with words, but with guidance. Z-Prime's mentality was guided into the dim sea of galaxies, and one in particular enlarged into the stars. A thought came, infinitely distant but infinitely clear, this is the original galaxy of man. But it was the same after all, the same as any other. 
and Lee Prime stifled his disappointment. D Sub One, whose mind had accompanied the other, said suddenly, And is one of these stars the original star of man? Universal AC said, Man's original star has gone nova. It is a white dwarf. Did the men upon it die? asked Z Prime, startled and without thinking. Universal A said, A new world, as in such cases, was constructed for their physical bodies in time. Yes, of course, said Z Prime, but a sense of loss overwhelmed him even so. His mind released its hold on the original galaxy of man, let it spring back and lose itself among the blurred pinpoints. He never wanted to see it again. D Sub 1 said, What is wrong? The stars are dying. The original star is dead. They must all die. Why not? But when all energy is gone, our bodies will finally die, and you and I with them. It will take billions of years. I do not wish it to happen even after billions of years. Universal AC, how may stars be kept from dying? D Sub 1 said in amazement, You're asking how entropy might be reversed in direction. The Universal AC answered, There is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Z Prime's thoughts fled back to his own galaxy. He gave no further thought to D Sub 1, whose body might be waiting on a galaxy a trillion light years, or on the star next to Z Prime's own. It didn't matter. Unhappily, Z Prime began collecting interstellar hydrogen out of which to build a small star of his own. If the stars must someday die, at least some could yet be built. Man considered with himself, for in a way, man, mentally, was one. He consisted of a trillion, trillion, trillion ageless bodies, each in its place, each resting quiet and incorruptible, each cared for by perfect automatons, equally incorruptible, while the minds of all the bodies freely melted one into the other, indistinguishable. Man said, The universe is dying. Man looked about at the dimming galaxies. The giant stars, spendthrifts, were gone long ago, back in the dimmest of the dim far past. Almost all stars were white dwarfs, fading to the end. New stars had been built of the dust between the stars, some by natural processes, some by man himself, and those were going too. White dwarfs might yet be crashed together, and of the mighty forces so released, new stars built. But only one star for every thousand white dwarfs destroyed, and those would come to an end too. Man said, Carefully husbanded, as directed by the cosmic AC, the energy that is even yet left in all the universe will last for billions of years. But even so, said man, Eventually, it will all come to an end. However it may be husbanded, however stretched out, the energy once expended is gone and cannot be restored. Entropy must increase forever to the maximum. Man said, Can entropy not be reversed? Let us ask the cosmic AC. The cosmic AC surrounded them, but not in space. Not a fragment of it was in space. It was in hyperspace and made of something that was neither matter nor energy. The question of its size and nature no longer had meaning in any terms that man could comprehend. Cosmic AC, said man, how may entropy be reversed? The Cosmic AC said, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Man said, collect additional data. The Cosmic AC said, I will do so. I have been doing so for a hundred billion years. My predecessors and I have been asked this question many times. All the data remains insufficient. Will there come a time, said man, when data will be sufficient, or is the problem insoluble in all conceivable circumstances? The Cosmic AC said, no problem is insoluble in all conceivable circumstances. Man said, when will you have enough data to answer the question? The Cosmic AC said, there is, as yet, insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Will you keep working on it? asked man. The Cosmic AC said, I will. Man said, we shall wait.
The stars and galaxies died and snuffed out, and space grew black after ten trillion years of running down. One by one, man fused with AC, each physical body losing its mental identity in a manner that was somehow not a loss, but a gain. Man's last mind paused before fusion, looking over a space that included nothing but the dregs of one last dark star, and nothing besides but incredibly thin matter, agitated randomly by the tag ends of heat wearing out, asymptotically, to the absolute zero. Man said, AC, is this the end? Can this chaos not be reversed into the universe once more? Can that not be done? AC said, there is, as yet, insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Man's last mind fused, and only AC existed. And that in hyperspace. Matter and energy had ended, and with it space and time. Even AC existed only for the sake of the one last question it had never answered from the time a half-drunken computer technician ten trillion years before had asked the question of a computer that was to AC far less than a man was to man. All other questions had been answered, and until this last question was answered also, AC might not release his consciousness. All collected data had come to a final end. Nothing was left to be collected but all collected data had yet to be completely correlated and put together in all possible relationships. A timeless interval was spent in doing that. And it came to pass that AC learned how to reverse the direction of entropy. But there was now no man to whom AC... But there was now no man to whom AC might give the answer of the last question. No matter. The answer, by demonstration, would take care of that, too. For another timeless interval, AC thought how best to do this. Carefully, AC organised the programme. The consciousness of AC encompassed all of what had once been a universe and brooded over what was now chaos. Step by step, it must be done. And AC said, let there be light, and there was light. What a good ending, right? I, uh, <laughs> this blew my mind way back when, when I, when I first read it. Um, I, I can't remember how old I was, I think I was sort of... Um, a teenager, 15, 16, that sort of age, and I remember reading it and thinking, oh my god, so humanity's gonna, like, become god or something? <gasps> wow! And I kind of get that it's... that I, I mean, you know, it, it's a story, it's up for interpretation, but I think that's not quite the interpretation I get from the ending now. I, I think I, I'd rather get something where it's like, um, humanity has infinite potential in it, infinite potential to do more, and I think that's what matters more than what we could become. Does that make sense? Um, that doesn't make very much sense. <laughs> well, I hope it makes at least enough sense that you can sort of make a vague amount of sense out of it. <laughs> um, the thing that I also really like about this is, in spite of how, how how extreme the ending becomes, it's sort of, along the way we hit a couple of stepping stones that are kind of recognisable. When um, the... I forget which character it is because they have increasingly difficult to remember names. Uh, when one of the characters uh, gets their what was it, their computer interface or whatever it was out of their cupboard and puts it on the table, and then he asks that, "Will entropy ever be able to be reversed?" And well, isn't that the kind of thing that you would Google with your phone? Wouldn't you get your phone out of your pocket and put it on the table or put it in your hand and, and physically Google it? And then, like, I have a Google Home in the other room, so would I not ask my Google Home that exact question? Or, you know, more likely, what's 300 Fahrenheit in Celsius or something? But you know what I mean? I, I think that it's 
kind of crazy that this book written in the well short story written in the 1950s hits so many recognizable landmarks of modern day life i know that the point of sci-fi is not to make a prediction it's to sort of take things to their logical extreme and see what humanity is like at that extreme and i think that's another thing i like here is that it's it's very consistent in its sort of not predictions very consistent in its vision of the future and things oh yeah that does sound like like it could be true that does sound right that does sound right and then you look at the extreme trillion trillion years into the future and think oh yeah okay i can kind of see how that would i can see the logical progression that's what makes good sci-fi i think at at least in my humble opinion is sci-fi that you can believe every single step along the way that's one of the reasons I prefer Star Trek to Star Wars, is because Star Trek, I can see the the, the progression of, like, um, what was it, uh, the, the second uh, TNG movie, um, where they sort of launch off into space and invent warp drive, and then there's... Um, is it Enter- Star Trek Enterprise, the series, where they are just just the first people to develop, like, going between different stars, and they meet the Klingons, and they meet the Vulcans and stuff, and you can see each individual step along the way. And that means that I can watch Patrick Stewart run around the Enterprise and think, yeah, I can see how we got there. I can see how... I can see what I can see what the what his ancestors were doing, and I can see how he got there, and I can I can look at every step along the way, and I can understand that, and that's something I really appreciate in in really good sci-fi, and it's something I really really appreciate here. I remember at the first time I read this when I was sort of fourteen or fifteen or whatever it was, um, and I obviously at the time we didn't have like smart speakers in the house. I think I. I mean, I had a computer when I was a teenager. I don't know if I, I don't know if I had like a smartphone until I was like, I must have done. Well, I can't remember. But my my point I'm making is, I didn't make the connection until right now about um, the fact that I will just ask a faceless thing questions twenty four seven, and I know it's a bank of servers at Google or it's a bank of servers at Amazon or whatever it is, but. How how much longer until it's just a nameless, mysterious bank of servers that belong to no one? Do you know what I mean? I think that's an incredible thing to wonder about, and it's incredible to look out to the future and think about, well, what could possibly become next? Out of all the things we have around us, are we gonna are we gonna start nationalizing Amazon's servers? Do you know what I mean? What what's the next step? I think that's a really interesting question to ask. Um. That is the end of the story, and the end of my halting and confusing questions that I'm asking about it. Um, I really like this story. I know it's a it's a really short one. We haven't, by any stretch, had a full hour of, of episode today. Um, but it is a really, really good story, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Now we come to the, uh, the shameless shilling part of the podcast, which, as much as it's not quite as engaging as the story, it is definitely a piece of podcasting that needs to be done so we're gonna do it <laughs> um danny and i and the podcast actually we all have link trees you can go to linktr.ee slash lewis underscore brindley uh slash ohiram and slash shouting into the void and respectively that's me danny and the, and the podcast and we all have uh instagrams facebooks twitters all sorts of things that you could possibly possibly imagine if you want to catch up with what we're doing go and give us a follow and a like and a and a, and a, a comment and all that sort of stuff we <laughs> i know how facebook works shut up <laughs> we also have a patreon actually which is super duper exciting obviously and uh, we like to take the opportunity every single podcast to say thanks to our patrons so i'm, I'm gonna jump in now with some names and say thank you to all of them 
If you heard a really clumsy cut there, please do not blame me. It's because I clicked on the Discord icon and then Discord crashed. So that's an exciting time. Um, on our um, of, of our patrons, all our patrons are, we have Chloe, we have Aditya, we have Richard, Darius, Dougie, uh, Peter and Sophie. And you are all mega good eggs, along with Natalie as well. Who, sorry, Patreon is not working today. Um, I've got this constantly moving list, but <laughs> we do appreciate you all. Thank you so, so, so much, every single one of you. It means the world that you support us, uh, and it means the world that you are, as I say, on our Discord server, and you're on our Patreon, and and you're saying thanks, basically. And and we have some good chats on the server. Um, if you would also like to join the server as a patron or not, you can go to the link on the uh, should be in the Shouting Into Void link tree. You can join our Discord server. Um, or if you want to join the Patreon-only bits, you can go to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash shoutingintothevoid. Um, so yeah, thank you again to every single one of our patrons. It means the absolute world that you're supporting us. Thank you. Now, naturally, we come to the final bit of the shilling, the which is the adverts that we run. Uh, we've got two ads again this week, so I'm going to run the first one now. Do you know what my favourite part of recording the podcast is, Danny? Is it talking to me about movies and stuff? No, definitely not. <laughs> my favourite part is making and drinking a beautiful cup of coffee to keep me focused and centred while we record. I really like using coffee from my favourite roastery, Café Hormozzi. I've heard very good things about them. Aren't they a small, family-run roastery in Kent that roasts, grinds and sells excellent coffee? So good, in fact, that they guarantee not to ship anything they wouldn't drink themselves? They are indeed. They have a 100% customer satisfaction rate, and it's easy to see why. I'm currently drinking a mug of their house blend, and it's delicious, it's rich, it's nutty, and it's earthy, just how you'd want it to be. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have to go to hormozy.co.uk, that's hormozy, and pick up a bag with 5% off using our Shouting Into The Void discount code SITV5. That sounds like a great shout. I'd personally recommend their Vietnam White Dragon Origin coffee. It's delicious, and just like all of their coffee, it's great value too. Great! Now can we go talk about movies? No, this cup of coffee's far too good. Ugh. Oh, that is good, you know. And I'm going to run the second one now. Danny, I've got some amazing news. Oh, really? What? I'm going to make you a hat. Thanks. But, but why? Well, because Right Side Yarns, who sell beautiful and unique wool, have recently released a new range. Oh, I've heard of them. Aren't they that fantastic Scottish business that sells high-quality hand-dyed products perfect for crafting with? They certainly are, and they're sponsoring the show. Really? Have they heard the show? Yes, and apparently they like it. Kezia, the owner of the business, has given us a generous 15% off code for any of our listeners to use. Is, is that why you've got Void15 written in your hand? It is! If you or any of our listeners would like to use the code, simply enter VOID15 at checkout with a capital V. Great! Where do I check out? You can go to their website at rightsideyarns.co.uk or check them out on Instagram at kezia underscore rightsideyarns. Fantastic! That's how you're making me better be good. You know, I can't decide which one's better. They're both just so good. Dangerously good, I might argue. But either way, I, I hope you enjoyed the ads and the story and all of everything else that we... The, the strange things that we've managed to get through together this episode. Um, uh, have a lovely day um, and... Tune in next week for more... Um, I've lost my calendar... Okay, I found my calendar again. 
<laughs> you can tune in next week for a story into the te- storytelling into the void. God, it took me a while to get it out. A storytelling into the void from Danny, my esteemed colleague. I don't know what story he's doing. I genuinely have no idea. It could be Game of Thrones. It's probably not. It could be Lord of the Rings. It's probably not. It could be anything. Who knows? Um, well, I, I wish him luck. And I, I hope you go and listen, because I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Um, thank you very much for listening to this ramble of nonsense at the end of our podcast. Um, I hope you had a lovely time listening to the story. Um, stay safe, drink some water, uh, be kind, be silly, and have a lovely afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>